Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thank you, Chris Aubrey Band. You guys are fantastic as always. We appreciate you. How's everybody doing? Oh, yeah. That's good. That's right. Come on. Listen, I, I live long enough in the darkness. I like being with y'all. I mean, I, I've lived long enough on my own trying to do things my way. Coming to church every Sunday, regardless of the circumstances, is way better than not. Is way better than not. Because you see a whole bunch of other messed up people. And you realize you're not alone. Now, I don't know how many of y'all are faking it. I'm just saying it's nice to know there's a bunch of other broken people around that I don't have to be by myself. You know, last week we talked about the narrow road and the broad road. You remember that? And we asked ourselves a question to figure out which road are we on. And the question isn't, do you know the language? Do you go to all the stuff? Did your profession of faith cost you anything? Because praying a prayer and getting baptized doesn't make you a Christian. A lot of people that pray a prayer and have been baptized that don't know Jesus and are still walking on the broad road that leads to destruction because it's not about ease and popularity, right? That's what we talked about last week. This is going to be the second illustration today that we talk about. When I used to counsel kids, I was a family pastor for a bit, birth through fifth grade, and along that way, parents would want their kids to get baptized. And so before they could do that, they'd have to come talk to me. And we'd sit down and we'd walk through the gospel with these kids, with the parents in the room, and we'd talk to them about what is the gospel. Because if you don't know Jesus, you shouldn't be getting baptized. And so we'd talk about it. And we'd say, hey. And at the end of it, the parents, I said, what do you think? And they said, well, we don't know. I said, let me ask you a question. Do they exhibit the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control? Do they exhibit that with increasing measure? It might be incremental, but do you see that? And their eyes would get real big. And then we say, I think we're going to wait. Great. Because at the end of the day, what we need to teach our kids is that there is a narrow gate and a narrow road And there's a broad gate and a broad road, and that's not the way we want to go. And we have to teach them about it. And we see in our culture a lot of people that are standing at the gate to the broad road, spinning all sorts of crazy stuff for people to stay on that broad. Oh, yeah, you can love Jesus and still do whatever you want. Yeah, you can take the grace of God to mean that you can express your freedom however you like. You can, you can surrender yourself to Jesus and still do whatever you want. Yeah, you can, and people sell this all the time. We have whole networks on television that are filled with all sorts of people teaching all sorts of stuff that look good on the outside. Jesus referred to people like that as whitewashed tombs. They look real clean on the outside, but on the inside are full of death. Now, I'm not judging anybody. I don't know anybody's heart. I'm certainly not talking about anybody in here. I mean, I I don't know. I'm just telling you what we're getting into. And if you thought last week was terrible, I mean, this week's not any better. I'm not going to lie. I really dislike last week's scriptures because it's really difficult truth. 
Well, this week isn't any better because it means that we have to learn to discern who's telling the truth and not. And there's a very simple way, Jesus says, to figure that out. And it's not by their words. It's not by what people say. If we went around the room and I would ask you, are you a Christian? By and large, most people, now I know not everybody's a Christian. First of all, thank you for being here. You're welcome here. You don't have to be a Christian to be in the room. But if I walked around and said, oh, are you a Christian? You say, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, I prayed a prayer. I did. I do a lot of church work. Right? Man, I'll tell you, I've been part of some stuff. And on the outside, we'd all go, oh, yeah, they're Christian. That's great. You know, that's great. But Jesus speaks to something, especially because of the people who were around were Pharisees who were leading people. They were telling people that they were speaking on God's behalf, that you need to go like this. And Jesus speaks directly to say, hey, just because they tell you the right things doesn't mean they are the right things and that you need to be on guard. And we're going to talk about that. And we live in this culture where we accept facade as reality. We live in a culture where we readily accept whatever people present Whatever pretense they walk in, we're very willing to accept that. And Jesus says, that's not how you need to go if you're going to walk the narrow road. You need to be able to understand what is true, not based on outward expression, but on actual life lived. I know none of you do this, but I'm going to belabor this point because I talk about it all the time because it hasn't ever changed. So I'm going to keep talking about it. So you get this, you people post, you ever seen that family on Instagram where they like, they like been to Machu Picchu and they got, you see them on a picture like on a yacht, right? And they got all the the hairs windswept perfectly and they put like 12 filters on their photo and all their kids are smiling. That's how you know it's not true. Here's the deal. If they got teenagers and they're at Machu Picchu and their kids are smiling, five minutes before the picture got took, here's the conversation. God, mom, can we just go home? I'm so bored. How is it you mean bored of Machu Picchu? I don't know, but this is how the conversation goes. I'm bored. Oh my God, and they're fighting. And here's the thing. They take the picture, right? And they post it. And we readily accept that somehow that is what their life actually is like. Now you transfer that to the church, it gets a little crazy. We readily accept a pretense without understanding what is real in a person's life, especially in our leaders. Now, to be clear, I tell you my dirty laundry for a reason. I'm going to be as transparent as I possibly can because here's what I don't want you to believe about Johnny Marks, that my life, my personal life, my family life, my kids' lives, because they're pastors, kids are supposed to be perfect, you can take them off of that pedestal and you can have your pedestal back. I'm not going to live there. Because I'm not actually perfect. Now, I'm going to tell you what I know to be true in the, in the scriptures, in the word of God. But if I preach something that's not in here, kick me out and send me packing. And if you don't treat every leader that way, we as a church, we need to get back on track with what we expect from people. Told you, it's not going to be very fun. Here's what it says. This is Matthew chapter seven. We're going to start. At verse 15, it says this. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. 
By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree, it can't bear bad fruit. And likewise, a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And at first, I said, okay, that's a lot of fruit references. Now, the reason he did that was because it's a very agricultural society. The people he was speaking to would have understood very clearly what that meant because they lived in agriculture. We don't grow grapes. We don't talk about wheat and barley. We don't, like none of us understand that unless you went to A&M, do not whoop at me. It doesn't matter. You can't get around it. The Lord is going to deal with y'all on that one. You stand before the Lord, you're going to whoop at him and see what happens. <laughs> and you know every Aggie secretly inside is going, no, he's going to whoop back. No, he won't. He's not on your train. Gosh. Listen, we'll try to get that out of here, y'all. I'll work on it. Take a couple of years, maybe. I'm just... <laughs> Now you know we're family. This ain't just playing church. We're just going to be together. I like it. I like it. I want to read that again in maybe some language we can understand. This This is a paraphrase. Be wary of false preachers who smile a lot, dripping with practiced sincerity. Chances are they're out of they're out to rip you off in some way or another. Don't be impressed with charisma. Look for character. Who preachers are is the main thing, not what they say. Listen, who preachers are, whether it's a preacher on a stage or a preacher on a street, who preachers are is the main thing, not what they say. A genuine leader will never exploit your emotions or your pocketbook. These diseased trees with their bad apples are going to be chopped down and burned. I like that version. That's in some language we can understand. He says, watch out. This word, watch. It's not like sitting watching TV dis- disconnected from what you're seeing. When you watch out for false prophets, when you're watching out, he's saying this in the Greek, it implies that you take care, that you pay close attention to, that you keep on the lookout for, to be alert for, and to be on your guard against. Be on your guard against, pay careful attention to false prophets. Now, the idea is of prophets, we understand, oh, they foretell the future. And that was part of their role, but that was not the main thing. They were called by God to speak direct messages from God to his people. And it was filled with warnings and guarding themselves. It was not some nice message. If you read the prophets and what they had to say, God would tell them, like Jonah ran away from God because he didn't like the message he had to preach. The prophets, Jeremiah was the weeping prophet for a reason. There's a lot of people these days who are talking about being prophets, speaking on God's behalf. Are there not? Now, if you tell me I have a word from the Lord for you, I'm going to take about three steps to my left. Because unless I know you to be a prophet, you're fixing to get yourself in a lot of trouble. Because people who will tout themselves as speaking on God's behalf, but don't have the character to cover, to like be the foundation. If you're speaking on God's behalf without the character to like stand on, you better be careful who you're talking for. And there's a lot of things, people on this broad road, this easy popular road that everybody wants to walk on that they're selling. Oh, just send me $12.99. 
You send me $12.99 and the Lord's going to bless you and you're going to have a great life. That's false. That is not a true, true teaching. You can send all the money you want. His pocketbook's going to get bigger. And just because you give your money to him doesn't mean you're going to have blessing in your life. The prophets also, did you know, were not popular. They were killed and persecuted. Did you know that? In fact, were thought as fools by most. So the people who think that being a prophet means or a preacher means that you are going to have some respectable life, you should know automatically, if that's what they think it is, that you shouldn't follow them anyway. Because they have no idea what they're in for. Prophets were humbled and they were surrendered completely to God and their job was to glorify God and tell people the right way to go without um, any thought to their own life. It was not self-promoting or, or pushing themselves up. It wasn't to be popular. It was to be true and right and to lead God's people away from danger, away from death. Their job was actually to put them on the narrow, not help them walk on the broad. When he says, watch out for false teachers, this is a word for us today. Not because I'm saying it, but because Jesus already did. Y'all, we have, we are inundated with false teaching. Inundated with false teaching. From every area of our life. There's false teaching in schools. There's false teaching in politics. Good Lord have mercy. There's false teaching in church. You know? Just because I can tweet it and it sounds real good doesn't make it true. Especially if my picture's next to it. Watch out, he says, for false prophets. And that has to tell us that we should be able to tell the difference. And so he gives us what we should know. How do you tell if they're false? And here's what it is. This is great. You will know them by their fruit. You will know them by what comes out of their life, not just out of their mouth. In fact, the mouth, Jesus says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. In Luke chapter six, this same passage, you want to know what's stored up inside a man or a woman? Listen to their conversation. Listen to what they say. Listen to how they say it. Oh, Johnny, I believe in Jesus. You post it on your, on your, uh, on your account that you're a Christian and that you go to Bayou City. Let me tell you something. If you post that you're a Christian and you go to Bayou City Fellowship and yet you can't have a kind conversation online, you take that junk off your, your status. I don't want it on there. If, if you say you love Jesus and you go to Bayou City Fellowship and all you do is slander and maim and hurt other people verbally, you might need to check yourself. And you should take it off because you're not representing the Christ you proclaim to profess. Now, I'm not coming as an expert. I'm just telling you what it says. Because I have to hold my mind. I'm held to this as well. Out of the overflow of my mouth, my heart speaks. And at times, you know what comes out of my mouth is anger and frustration. This is not about being sinless. Jesus is not saying if you walk the narrow road, you will be sinless on this earth. That's not what this is. This is not a moral talk. Jesus didn't die so that you would be a moral person. We're not preaching morality for morality's sake. We're preaching complete surrender to God who changes your life. And isn't that what this is about? 
So you need to watch out for those false teachers. And the way that you see them is by the fruit of their lives. Do they exhibit, just like those little kids, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in increasing measure. It might be incremental, but in increasing measure. The sanctification of people is what happens. That change happens and it's slow and it's arduous sometimes, right? That narrow road is not easy. But what happens when somebody walks through that narrow gate, which is Jesus, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, but through me, it is that gate you walk through and you begin this journey to be like him. And it is this, this process of increasing measure, exhibiting that fruit of the Spirit. See, when it's about money and power, control, manipulating other people, that's not, that's not, what, that's not true teaching. That's not what it's about. If people are teaching something and it props them up, like if I can teach and I can stand on that pedestal, that's not real. That's not true. And he says, you tell by their fruit. You tell by their fruit. And then he goes on and he tells, this is another part of the passage I don't like, but I'm going to tell you because it's in there. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I'll just tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. This is a paraphrased version. Knowing the correct password, saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience. Doing what my father wills. I can see it now at the final judgment. Thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our God-sponsored projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. See, it's actually not that hard to see through the facade. It's not that hard to see when somebody is talking the talk and even part of the projects, but don't actually know Jesus. Because at some point, words fall away and you are left standing in and on your character and who you have been made in Christ or not. He's saying there's going to be a lot of people who come and stand before him at the judgment and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, Master Jesus, you saw me. I preached all sorts of times. Did you see that cool event we did? I did a lot of church service on your behalf. And he's going to say there will be some who he will look at and say, yeah, but you didn't actually know me. There was nothing different in your life from the rest of the world. And just your doing and your saying isn't what gets you in. So how, what is it? Okay, God, what is it then? The fruit of our lives. And here's the fruit. Every person who interacted and encountered Jesus came away changed. They were different from when they met him than when they left him. Zacchaeus. 
Zacchaeus was a terrible man. He's a tax collector. He was a jerk. He was selfish. He was greedy. And he met Jesus. He understood what he needed. He received the goodness and grace and forgiveness of God. And then he was a different man afterwards. He gave back what he owed. He became a kind person, a generous person. Do you see the difference? The fruit was his changed life. And it was exhibited through his giving and his generosity and his surrender to God. Paul, who used to be Saul, felt, listen, he felt like he was serving God by imprisoning and killing Christians. He felt like he was, I am a God-honoring man. I'm, I'm a, I have legalistic righteousness and I'm killing and imprisoning Christians. I'm, I'm doing all right because these people are crazy. And he meets Jesus and you know the story, the road to Damascus. He meets Jesus and he's totally, he went from persecuting to being persecuted. And he lived a life of suffering. But he was changed. He lived in freedom instead of legalistic righteousness. He accepted the righteousness of Christ and it changed everything. It even changed his message. He went from being legalistically righteous to being righteous in Christ. And he preached that message until the day he died. Peter, everybody that met Jesus, they were one way when they met him, they were another way when they left him. So here's the second question we have to ask ourselves. If last week, did your profession of faith cost you anything, initially and continually, right? It will cost us something if we have faith in Christ. If it doesn't cost you anything, you need to check whether or not who, what you're believing in. The second is this. Did your decision for Christ change your life? Now, it doesn't mean you needed to be a drug addict in a, in a ditch somewhere almost dead and then now you are living the life. That's not what it's about. Have you changed? Are you exhibiting the fruit? Is, have the, has the fruit of the Spirit begin to bloom in your life? Maybe you were just an angry person like I was. And after Christ, you realize that there's not as much to get angry about. Maybe you were greedy and self-serving before you met Christ, right? On the, you weren't like, you know, selling drugs or doing all those things. The, the things, you know, you hear the testimonies that really are important. What we don't realize is your testimony isn't so much about what it used to be. It's just about that change that Christ has changed you. That comes in all sorts of shapes and fashions. Has it changed your life? And here's why it will change your life. If the broad road, the road of selfishness and self-idolatry and just idolatry and sin leads to death, eternal separation from God, and a person that steps through that narrow gate, Jesus Christ, realizes they've been forgiven, that they don't have to be ashamed anymore, that they've been offered grace, and that somebody paid for what they deserve, which is death, if that doesn't change you, there is nothing that will. So a person that steps through that narrow gate, Jesus should, right? This is why Jesus talks about it. Look different on the backside. Because you have received a love that you can't get anywhere else. You've received forgiveness that you can't get anywhere else. You've received hope and a future that you can't get anywhere else. And you have a heart of gratitude. That's why the 10 lepers, they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, would you heal us? And he, they said, it says, as they went, they were healed. And of all 10 people, do you know who came back? Two. And they were so thankful. I bet they exhibited the, the fruit of the Spirit. 
The problem with the Pharisees was that they, they were talking all the right things and teaching people the, technically the things to do, and yet they were dead inside. It was about oppression and control and power. They used their religious spirituality to manipulate other people for their gain. They're false prophets. That's what he's talking about. Think about it like this. Talk only. It'll tank your life. At the end of your life, it will, it will be amount to nothing if you just talk about it. What we look for is the good fruit of a changed life. See, our kids are going to need to know these things as they grow up. And it's important that we know what it is so we can teach them. There are families who um, can go to a dinner party, a couple go to a dinner party, and you see, oh, they're so affectionate to one another. I've heard this story a million times. I'm not, I don't know if anybody's story here. I pray not. This is not a condemnation. This is just an assertion of reality. They go and, oh, they, they can put on the face, right? Oh, I love, yeah, we love each other. Well, he's a raging alcoholic at home and she feels worthless and uncared for. Right, you, you can't say one thing and then, it, it, and then show a different kind of fruit. That's not how it works. Either you are or are not a loving husband. And you go to the same dinner party, the same couple, maybe it's opposite. Maybe they go home and when they leave their facade life, she is demeaning and degrading and emasculates her husband and is disrespectful. She is bearing fruit, but it is not the fruit she's presenting at the party. Right? Pastors and, you know, we're all in the same boat, guys. This is not about condemning you for not being perfect. This is about us being able to understand what Jesus is saying. Hey, the narrow road is hard. It's right, but it's hard. And it means complete and total surrender to the lordship of Jesus. That's it. It's not Jesus plus anything. Remember that yesterday? And along that road, there is only one preacher, teacher, prophet that we get to listen to, and it's Jesus Christ. We have the word of God here, and this is what we land on. The whole counsel of God, because anybody can take a scripture and tell people what they want it to mean. Right? We have these conversations every day. We take a scripture, and that's the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, but we don't realize that God has given us this whole counsel. And so we have to not only know it, but to exhibit that truth in the way that we talk and teach and preach and care for one another. Let's take it to the reality of life. How many conversations have we been in, both together in person and online, where we question the fruit that we are exhibiting or that other people are exhibiting? I had a conversation before church last hour with somebody. We were just talking about life. And, and I don't know if I've ever been alive as a Christian in a time where our fruit has been revealed in a more real, transparent way than this time right now that we live in. I have to say, teenagers are better at covering it up. And we are not doing so good, nor should we, Right? The goal today is not condemnation. The goal today is, hey, 
What fruit are we harvesting from what's inside us? And is it love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Or is it idolatry and evil and hatred and hurt and frustration and fear and worry and all the things that are not from the Lord? Watch out, he says. Be on guard with who you follow because you might find yourself on the broad road instead of the narrow way. I want to read a couple scriptures to you and then we'll close out. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 we love this one at weddings. You guys go to a wedding. Oh, look, they're beautiful. Look at her. The dress is lovely. It's lovely. Everybody's watching. Oh, I don't watch the bride. I watch the groom. <laughs> I watch my watch. Let's wrap it up. Get to the food. Now you sit and we have these these. Wonderful scriptures, and they, they, we love 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Oh, I love this one. And we get choked up. But you know what else it says? That if you do all these things and are a prophet and you prophesy and you work for the Lord, but you don't have love, you can't actually love another person sacrificially, where you can't give up and deny yourself on behalf of somebody else, it doesn't mean anything. Your prophesying in your Christian work is worthless if you don't know how to love the way God loved us. We don't do that one at the weddings. We should. We probably have marriages last a little longer. That's the thing. Philippians. This is amazing. Philippians 3. The same Paul who met Jesus on the road to Damascus says this, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. At the end when he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to excuse you because I didn't know you, you didn't know me. The Greek there in, in Matthew, that I never knew you, it implies, and because we have kids, I'm going to taper this off a bit. It implies the kind of knowing that a husband and a wife have of one another. You know what I'm saying? That's what it says in the scripture. That's actually the Greek for it. The translation means such an intimate knowledge of, of one another. We should know Christ intimately. We should be so connected. That's the kind of knowing that changes a life. That's the kind of knowing that produces fruit. Paul got that. I want to know Christ. I want to be intimately aware of his power so I can live the way I need to live. Colossians 1 says this. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And that is why, that is why we walk the narrow road, is it not? That's why we have a heart of gratitude which changes life. And here's the last one from 2 Timothy. This is Paul's charge to Timothy. And I'm just going to say that this can be the charge to us today. And then we'll be done. Back in chapter 3, verse 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know that those from whom you've learned it. And how from infancy 
you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Down in chapter four, he says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Here it is, you ready? For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, broad road, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear, false prophets. They will turn their ears away from truth and turn aside to myths, but you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Listen, church, we have an opportunity to be fruit bearers. Not the fruit that everybody else is bearing, but the fruit of Christ, of salvation, of the spirit of God. But that doesn't happen just because we try harder. Remember, this is not about morality, though morality comes. But that only comes when we surrender completely to the lordship of Jesus and start saying no to self and yes to his will because he says it's the people who are willing to do what God wants, period. And that's on the hard, narrow way. That's the kind of church we need to be. That's the church we will be. Because we all are going to start looking each other in the face and say, hey, don't believe the facade. Ask another question, like, how are you really doing? And then love one another enough to allow space for the brokenness in your brother or sister. If Chris and I are having a conversation and all we talk about is, oh, hey, bro, how's it going? Oh, good. You doing okay? Great. How's work? Wonderful. Well, you know, we just continue to perpetuate the facade. But if I can say, you know what, I'm going to risk it today. And I'm just going to tell him how I'm really doing and give him the opportunity to love me back. You know what happens? We both become a little more like Jesus. And we start showing that this fruit of love and joy and all the things we talk about is a real thing. See, until we can set an atmosphere where transparency is important, where we can actually love each other through our failures and inadequacies, we will keep looking like everybody else and not like Jesus. It's time for us to fall on Christ to let him infiltrate our spirit and our hearts so we can teach our kids the right way to go. So we're not false teachers for our own children, holding up pretense and facade and instead bearing the fruit of righteousness in Christ and showing the good fruit of a changed life, not just a pretty one. God, we thank you for um, your word. We thank you that you are king and master of all. We thank you, Lord, that in our failure and our inadequacy, you are enough. Lord, I pray that you would help us all choose the narrow way going through Christ Jesus, our Savior and Lord, and walking the hard way, watching out for and guarding against teaching that is false and self-serving, but rather promoting truth and surrender. God, would you help us to show the good fruit of a changed lives? as we love people well and forgive people well and have mercy together. God, do that, would you? Lord, so that you'd be lifted up and glorified. We're gonna end our service as we always do in prayer. And I'm gonna ask you this. We have some folks who are gonna be coming up here to um, be available to you for prayer. If you need prayer, if you say, I just, I need to offload some things. That's what we're here for. If you need to 
stand with somebody and talk about Jesus and try to understand that, you can do that too. If you have people you wanna pray for, we're here to pray with you on that as well. But let's spend some time praying together as we continue to worship. If you would, we can stand to our feet.